Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. Welcome to the Connect Podcast. So glad that you're here with us today, with me today. I'm really excited about what's going to be happening as we spend the next half hour together getting into God's Word, getting God's Word into us, getting it out of our life. We want to, we want to learn how to apply this and the difference it's going to make to our lives today and so we're very excited about this I want to encourage you to go ahead and share this right now so other people who need it who need some encouragement who need some inspiration and uh, you can you can get them in on this right now they're gonna they're gonna love it we want to we want everyone to uh, to experience this together so thank you so much for being here let's go ahead and get into our study today we're talking about going the distance, going the distance. You know, uh, a survey in 2021, so very current survey from Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center found that belief in God has declined over the generation. 83% of those in what they call the silent generation, that's they're born between 1927 and 1945, possess, have a belief in God or Christianity, I believe it's Christianity is what we're talking about. 79% of boomers born between 46 and 64 uh, identified as Christian. 70% of Gen Xers, that's me. I'm a Gen Xer born between 1965 and 1983, identified as Christian. Uh, 43% of millennials, those born between 1984 and 2002, said they don't know, they don't care, they don't believe that God exists, and only 57% of those said they were Christian. So the good news, if you want to look at it that way, is that we are still a Christian nation uh, in that at this point, um, you know, over half, just over half, are still professing some kind of faith in Jesus, but the reality is uh, we are losing ground in terms of reaching the next generations um, and let's be honest the pandemic has pushed people out of the church and politicians have prioritized opening restaurants and, and even tattoo parlors over churches and so so um, we see this we see those even the the nuns they're called not not the catholic nuns but n-o-n-e-s that um that that those who have no faith or they they don't have any connection with the church uh, and have chosen that as as their life that has grown from 16 percent to 26 percent um over the past uh 10 years okay so very 
rapidly. One prediction says that the U.S. will be majority non-Christian by about 2035. And I believe that was said before the pandemic uh, even hit. So, you know, if you believe as we believe and we know that our faith is um, essential and it tells the truth, the reality about who God is, about how to see the, the world and the universe around us, how we understand ourselves, what is the purpose of life? Uh, how, how should we live our life? Well, this news that there's this rapid decline in Christian faith uh, has terrible eternal implications for millions of people. So as we get into John chapter 6, we're starting in verse 60. And here, Jesus is following up with what we talked about last week. He had this hard teaching. And, um, and as he's doing this, you know, he's got all these masses of people who claim to follow him. They say, we're Jesus followers, even disciples, they would call themselves. And yet, here's their response. Here's Jesus' response. And what he, Jesus is telling us is really how do we develop a faith that goes the distance? How do we go the distance? You know, life with the rapid changes that we're seeing in our culture, in our world, it seems more and more like people look at Christianity and they say it's outdated. It's not relevant today. And yet it is the most relevant thing. It is still unchanging truth that we need to hold on to. And let me tell you this. Um, I've seen many people over the years who have started out on the journey. They've started out on the race. You got tons of people at the starting line. Everybody's excited to run. But then something happens. They don't go the distance. They stumble. They trip. They fall. They get off the path. They get distracted um, along the way. And uh, listen, it's not about how you start. It's really about how well you finish. And uh, it is a long road, the Christian walk, the Christian race. It's a long road. In fact, I would say following Jesus is more of a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not something you can just do. But you go the distance each and every day. You, you move forward each and every day. And, uh, you know, we all have the same opportunity as followers of Jesus. When you come to Jesus, we all have that same opportunity. But the truth is, not everyone finishes strong. Not everyone finishes well. So how do we go the distance? Let's dig into John 6, verse 60. All right, here we go. On hearing this teaching, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And it's hard to hear what Jesus was saying about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. That was difficult for them to hear. It was difficult for them to accept. And, and his disciples, when it talks about his disciples, it's not just talking about uh, the 12 disciples, but some of his many, many followers. And the truth is there are parts of the Bible that may be hard to hear. They may be hard to accept because they go against the way that our culture thinks and the way our culture believes and the main emphasis of our culture. And because people have a hard time accepting the truth, 
they turn away to accept lies, things that are just simply not true. And these disciples understand they weren't turning away because they didn't understand what Jesus said. They got it. He spoke clearly, but they didn't like what he was saying. And it was very hard for them to accept. And let me tell you this. The truth sounds like hate to people who hate the truth. You know, people call it, uh, you know, you talk about God's word and the truth of God's word and people say, oh, that's, you know, that's hateful. No, no, no. It's truth. And we can say, speak the truth in love. That's what the Bible calls us to do. Speak the truth in love. But at verse 61 now, uh, Jesus, who was aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? <laughs> they were grumbling. By the way, I've got a pug at my house, a pug, a dog, uh, a pug, a very cute. And did you know that a group of pugs is called a grumble? You know, my, our pug is always <laughs> snorting and grunting, um, all, you know, throughout the day. And somebody decided that it'd be a good word to, if you call a group of pugs, a grumble. Okay, so, but let me tell you this, you know, it may be cute in, in, a, in a little dog, but grumbling is even worse than doubting. Grumbling is complaining, it's divisive, it's destructive, and the Bible says this in James 5, 9, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now, it's one thing to have honest doubts, you know, and so it's, it may be even good. To, to challenge. But, you know, we know God can handle our doubts. And through our doubts, our faith is built, perhaps, you know, as we ask questions and have those answered. God is big enough to help you with your doubts. But grumbling is simply planting seeds of discouragement in others. It's disrespectful to the one that you're grumbling about. It's always self-focused because you've made yourself the standard and you're judging others by that standard. And I was thinking about how Jesus responded to the grumbling. You know, he says, does this offend you? But he wasn't personally offended by their complaining. Uh, he knew that when you step out and lead, people are going to have opinions about you. They're going to talk about you. They're going to complain. And Jesus didn't let other people's opinions about him define him or discourage him. He didn't adjust his message to win the approval of the crowds. And that kind of co confidence, which I like to call Godfidence, it comes from knowing who you are in Christ, that you're sure and secure in him, that you're who he says you are. Now, in verse 62, he goes on, he says, Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? And one thing Jesus knows is he's going to be lifted up. He's even going to be lifted up on to the cross. And you talk about offensive. This is the this is the 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 one that you have followed and you have chosen to to give your life for and to and then you see him bloodied, bruised, beaten, dying on the cross. And when people saw that, many people at that point turned away. They turned away. So, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty three, Paul says, So when we preach that Christ 
was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. So people were offended uh, from the crucifixion. So Jesus is saying, you think, you think that's tough? Wait till I give my life. But not only that, but he also is talking about his ascension into heaven. He was raised back up to heaven. Now, verse 63, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. And and listen, if you just think about what Jesus is saying from a natural point of view, uh, a physical point of view, then you're going to miss it. Because what Jesus is saying has a spiritual truth. Don't miss the point of what Jesus is saying. Jesus' words are not just spiritual. They are full of the Spirit. They are unique, and they give life. I want to ask you this question. What do you think of when you think of really living? Some of us think of going on an exotic vacation, Some of us think about living in a nice, comfortable house or driving uh, an expensive car. But Jesus says real living is found in the Word of God, in God's words. And, and, And the words of the Bible for us, they're life because they point to the source of eternal life. They point to the the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Verse 64, yet there are some of you who do not believe, Jesus said, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He knows. He knows at the very start of people who are are not really truly believing in him. And Jesus knew not everybody is going to go the distance. So in verse 65, he goes on to say, or he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. It's God's Spirit that draws people to him. And you can't come to Jesus unless God's Spirit is drawing you. And uh, we have a role in that, in sharing the gospel message, sharing Jesus, sharing our story of what he's done in our life, sharing Jesus' story, listening to their story. But at the same time, the Spirit also has to be at work in their life. That's why we need to be praying for those people that we want to see come to Jesus, that God's Spirit is drawing them. And I believe God's Spirit does that many times in people's lives. Maybe there's different opportunities for somebody to come to Jesus, but but the ones who last, who go the distance, they're empowered by God's Spirit and His call on their lives. Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So here's where we see it, that at that point, many people chose to walk away. If you can imagine, if you can imagine, now I've seen this, obviously, as a pastor, I've seen people just choose to walk away, and it's tragic, and it's it's so uh, sad to see people choose to walk away from Jesus, from his church. Um, These people didn't go the distance. These disciples, you know, they were curious, but they were never committed. They wanted to see the miracles. They wanted to see the show, but they never went past the temporary to embrace what was eternal. In fact, they were attracted to Jesus as long as he agreed with them. I heard someone say, 
recently. They said, I've studied the Bible and I've decided that Jesus completely agrees with everything I already think. <laughs> That's not the way it works, okay? The Bible doesn't conform to our way of thinking, to us, to our opinions. We allow God's word to change our minds, to line up with God's way of thinking. Listen, Jesus is the great polarizer. Think, think of uh, it as being like all of humanity. If we were all just uh, little, little uh, pieces of metal and uh, Jesus is the magnet. In fact, I have, a, I have a magnet right here and every single piece of metal, it, it, it uh, lines up with either the North Pole or the South Pole. And every person is either attracted to Jesus or repelled by Jesus because he's like a magnet and the power and the influence of who he is and his power cannot be ignored. So when Jesus said something that they didn't agree with, it repelled them because they wouldn't align their lives with the truth of God's word. So I have these two magnets here, okay, and they're very strong magnets. Once they go together, they stick together. But if I put them uh, as opposites, watch what happens here. I cannot, and I'm serious, you can't really tell the force I'm using to get them together, but they will not, they will not go, <laughs> they'll go on the sides, but they won't go flat together. They're pushing each other away, and some people are repelled. They won't align their lives with the Word of God because they were looking for how God could help them meet their needs, what they wanted and what they needed, not what God wanted to do in their lives. But you see, some people, some people are going to just see Jesus and they're going to, because of God's spirit at work in them, they're going to be attracted and they're going to go together. And let me tell you, once you put them together, I can't get these apart. I cannot get these apart. They are, they are stuck together. Now, let me just tell you about this, about we're talking about falling away, right? And there was a New York Post article called, it said, Millennials are choosing pizza, push-ups, and video games over the church. And the article, now millennials, you know, they're not, they're, they're those born before 2002. So now we got people who are uh, the next generations beyond that. But uh, the article quoted a professor who says they were raised to think for themselves, they're skeptical of authority, they're skeptical of churches, and uh, there were these stories. There was this 22-year-old named Alex who said he had a positive experience about being raised in the church. Now, 22-year-old, um, I suppose, would qualify as a millennial born maybe 2000, maybe in 2000, right? Uh, so he left church after high school, even though he had a great experience, but he describes himself as spiritual. Have you heard this? Spiritual, but not religious. Now he says a video games offer him the same piece by connecting him to a community, you know, virtually, digitally, of other players. And he says many are now his good friends. So he says, he says his favorite game is Witcher 3, The Witcher 3. And that's his spiritual guide. And you're presented with moral questions. Um, and you that he says that has implications for how he lives his life. And so, so, I mean, imagine your church being a game, The Witcher 3, and your guide for what is right and wrong and true coming from 
a game and you're isolated. Yes, you feel, you know, like you're connected, but it's all virtual. It's not person to person. And there are so many people who, as I said, they were following Jesus for the most part before the pandemic, and they've just not continued to follow. You know, there's been so much division poured into our our world and our country over so many things. And so people have gotten sideways with the church. And uh, many have given up on the church. Many have stopped giving like they were before. And they've stopped other spiritual disciplines in their life. And uh, listen, I'm not saying attending church is the thing. It's, it's about your faith and your trust in Jesus. But when you lose your weekly connection, you lose your focus many times. So verse 67, Jesus asked the 12, he turns to the 12 disciples and he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Wow. Jesus like asked this, this question, giving them an opportunity to walk away. And Jesus, at some point, he's going to ask you this question. Do you want to leave me too? And that question comes to us when sometimes when we're so sure God is going to do something in our life, and then it doesn't work out the way we thought. Do you want to leave me too? It will come when a respected Christian leader lets you down. It will come into your life, that question, you'll hear it when a sin that you thought you had under control in your life comes back to rear its ugly head. It'll come when God leads you to do something that brings you face to face with one of your fears. So, this question, do you want to leave me too? We need to think about that. And I love these next verses. In verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, and he's speaking on behalf of the other disciples. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And what Peter is saying here comes from a heart that will go the distance. Think about Peter's life. He stayed through the cross, through the pain of denial. He denied Jesus three times. He lasted through being replaced as the leader of the Jerusalem church. He lasted through the mistakes that he had made, the controversy of dividing, separating the Jews and the Gentiles. He lasted all the way until he gave his life for Jesus. And of course, tradition says that he was actually crucified upside down. That's tradition, what tradition says. But not only did he last through his failures, he last through his successes. Think about this. He preached that sermon in Acts and 3,000 people were saved in one sermon. And that will kind of explode your ego. Some people can't last through great success. You see people who are built up so much that that they can't last. So he he asks, where else would we go? And, and think about the alternatives of following Jesus. They're, they're not very good. And, and it can be hard to follow Jesus. It can be hard to live like Jesus. But let me tell you, there's no one else like Jesus. There's nothing else like following Jesus. And and personally, I don't know where I would be in my life. I cannot imagine where I would be or what I would be doing if I didn't know Jesus. Um, but 
Satan is at work in our lives to convince you all the time to walk away, to leave Jesus. He, he'll lie to you. He will make certain paths look more appealing, look better. But at the end of that, you find out it's always a mirage. It's never true. It's never better. It's always disappointing. But God will never let you down. Um, so, you know, it's true. Without Jesus, I would be nothing. I could do nothing. Um, and you can respond to Jesus like Peter did. You can say to Jesus confidently, where else would I go? You are the life. You have the life that I need. And then it would be great if this whole passage just stopped right there and we could end it on a real positive note. But the last two verses are actually about somebody who wouldn't last. Then in verse 70, Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. Not the devil, but the word devil means accuser. And Judas was an accuser of Jesus. So verse 71, he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. And this tells you that you can be around Jesus. You can be around Christian people and yet still not go the distance. You can even be involved in ministry. You can even firsthand see the miracles of Jesus and not go the distance. And there are people we know who can talk a good talk and they seem like they're truly following Jesus, but they're not really. They don't really believe. They're just going through the motions. And Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. And it kind of raises the question, like, why did Jesus choose Judas if he knew he was going to betray him? But we know this was all part of God's eternal plan from the beginning. And it shows us the truth that God can use anyone. God can even use an evil person. God can use people who don't trust him as part of his plan. And the fact that God can use anyone, it doesn't cancel out our free choice. They can still choose, but God always knows how he can use people and, and what happens in events and circumstances for his glory. Now, we, we don't know that. We can't know the condition of somebody's heart. Sometimes I don't even know the condition of my own heart, but God always knows. He always sees. And it's pretty awesome to think that God can use anyone or anything to bring him glory in the end. So there's only one way to have a faith that really goes the distance, and that is to personally choose to stay close and connected to Jesus himself. Not about serving or, or uh, any of the other things that you might do. You can do all of that and still miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. It's about our relationship with him. And that's something Judas never did. So at the end of his life, Paul, who had a very strong relationship with Jesus, in 2 Timothy 4.7, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And that is my prayer for you. That's what I want all of us to say at the end of our lives, at the end of the day, that we can say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith all the way to the end. And then we cross that finish line together. We celebrate the victory of going 
the distance. That's my prayer for you today. So let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you will give me the the strength, the power of your spirit to help me go the distance. I pray that you would feed my faith, God, by your spirit. I know so often I get tired, I get discouraged, I get confused, I get doubtful in my life. Help me to choose to draw close to you, to stay closely connected with you and to hear your words of life and to know that there's no other place that I would ever go besides running into the the arms of Jesus and continuing to follow him each and every day of my life. And, And I pray that for every one of us today, that today we'll stay close to you, Jesus, and that we'll follow you and we'll go the distance. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a blessed day and I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.